This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hit! Browns are going to win! Mayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover 2. This is Dan Kadar, joined by Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich, as the introductory music said so. Nate, how are you today? I'm alright, Dan. It's been a crazy day, but uh, glad to talk to you. Yeah, we, we're recording on Tuesday, as we often do. Usually we record Tuesday afternoon, you know, between 3 or 4 o'clock. Tuesday is generally... In terms of the NFL schedule, a relatively quiet day, you know, but uh, this Tuesday we're recording just after 8 p.m. because the the crap burger hit the fan for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, head coach Kevin Stefanski will not be on the sidelines for the team's first playoff game since 2002 when the Browns take on the Steelers Sunday night in Pittsburgh. That game is on NBC. It's a huge, huge game. The Browns are now out their head coach. They're now out their left guard, Joel Batonio. They're now out. Oh, Nate, who's the next biggest one in, in this giant list of people and players who are out for the Browns? After those two, who's the biggest one that's out? Oh, God. Uh, There's so many. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, are you talking about the new ones or the old ones? We've got we're up to like 11 now total. Um, well, let, let's 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 combine them all. Okay. I guess. Okay, so Denzel Ward may or may not be back by Sunday. He has a chance based on the timeline laid out in the protocols. Uh, and when he uh, was announced as a positive test, he has a chance to make it back, basically in the nick of time. And um, he would he would be the the third kind of biggest splash. You know, I, I would, you know, he, you could argue that he, he's the second biggest splash after Kevin Stefanski, but I'm, I'm going to sure. Joel, Bato- Joel Batonio. There's just so much with Joel Batonio that three time Pro Bowler, a Pro Bowl starter this year, the longest tenured member of the Browns. Uh, been here since a second round pick in 2014. Went through that stretch of, uh, after his rookie season, when they started seven and four, then they lost the last, the last five games of that season. That started a stretch of, of, um, of just a insane <laughs> losing. Um, I mean, he was he's one of three guys left on the team who went um, one in thirty-one from two thousand sixteen to two thousand seventeen. That stretch I was talking about earlier when he lost the five games uh, at the end of his rookie season, they went 4-50-1, and one, you know. And then Baker Mayfield came in, and his na- debut against the Jets in primetime helped him come back, beat the Jets, and, uh, you know, those Bud Light fridges opened and all that. The rest is history. 
They've been winning uh, much more frequently than they were before. And of course, 11 and 5 and Kevin Stefanski's first year as a head coach. The most wins by a first year Browns coach since Paul Brown in 1946 when he won 12 games in the, the team's inaugural season. You've got a legitimate NFL coach of the year candidate, and he's not going to be coaching in the, the franchise's biggest game in, in a generation. So it's it's just an insane. It's insane. And I, I really feel for all of them, but Joel Batonio, like if I sat here and thought about it and earlier I almost let myself do it, like it really is a gut punch. Like because I think about Joel and all what I said earlier, all the losing he's gone through, what a good player he is, what a good teammate he's been, how great he's been to me and other people in the media. Uh and for him to kind of be the new Joe Thomas, right? Like, um, you know, Joe Thomas never got to play in a playoff game as great as he was. And Joel finally got to it. And for that to be robbed from him is just, it's heartbreaking. So, uh, you know, there's no guarantee the Browns are going to make it back to the playoffs. Um, you know, while Joe, Joel Batoni is still with them, they're, they're talented. I think their future is bright. I think with Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry, they're definitely uh, on the trajectory that Browns fans have sought for a long time. So, you know, I'm optimistic about the future, but it's just, I mean, it's so hard to get in, Dan. You never know. I mean, you, you can be really talented. It can go sideways for a lot of reasons, injuries, obviously now COVID. Um, there's just no guarantee. So it just, it, out of everything that came down today, it, to me, it was just, beyond brutal to hear Joel Batonio is not going to get to play in this game. Yeah, that that's well said. And, and Batonio is really the last piece of connective tissue to, to Joe Thomas. And, you know, he, Joe's so popular with this fan base. It's, it, it's kind of like the Browns are getting there for Joe Thomas too, a little bit, but it, it, it's an excellent point you make. Nothing is guaranteed for any team in the NFL. I mean, Look what's happening with the Philadelphia Eagles right now, for instance. They were just in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and now their whole franchise, same head coach, same starting quarterback, they look fractured and about to shatter into a billion different pieces and probably rebuild. So this, this was a year for the Browns. I don't want to say it's the year. And I, I'm not saying it can't be next year and the year after and the year after, but in the in the NFL, the parity is so real. And by the way, the Browns play in such a difficult division. There is absolutely nothing given about the future. So the, this was a season where they could have really done something. And now, you know, they're out all these players, they're out all these coaches. But they still, for now, we learned last week this changed as, as every day went by throughout the week, as more players got lost to COVID and illness, that things are going to change. But for now, the Browns still have their two best players. Well, three, really. And Baker Mayfield, they still got him. Miles Garrett, they still got him. Even, uh, I don't want to say he's at 100%, but he's getting there. Uh, after his COVID uh, diagnosis of several weeks back now, they still got Nick Chubb and they still got Kareem Hunt. 
they've, they, you know, they, they still have good players, Nate. Um, I know they just barely squeaked by the Steelers in the finale against Mason Rudolph. The Steelers set a bunch of players. However, however, do the Browns have any chance whatsoever in this game? I mean, they, they, they still have players, and the Steelers still have that stretch where they were pretty terrible until the end of the season. Do the Browns have a chance? Well, if you're saying there's a chance, they have a chance. Um, I set you up there. Yeah, they have that kind of dumb and dumber chance, I think. I I didn't have them winning this game before today's news hit, and I certainly don't have it winning this game now. Kevin Stefanski is the first game-changing coach that the Browns have had in the expansion era, um, at least as a head coach. You know, I've covered maybe one other guy that comes to mind, and that's Kyle Shanahan as the offensive coordinator in 2014 uh, when they did get off to that 7-4 and four start before the collapse. Um, you know, insert Johnny Manziel joke now. But, yeah, I don't have him in Pittsburgh. Ben Roethlisberger is going to be playing. I know that the Steelers are, went on that three-game losing streak after starting 11-0 and and Looked like they might not ever snap out of it, but then they did against the Colts, and Roethlisberger is 23-2-1 against the Browns, as we've discussed many times. The Browns have lost their past 17 games in Pittsburgh. Guess what? That history doesn't matter in a lot of ways when it comes to this team, but it is relevant to point out because it's just a reminder of how tough it is to play in Pittsburgh. Streaks like that don't get established in places that aren't difficult, and Pittsburgh, Heinz Field, any other stadium venue in the league isn't as difficult in the COVID era because they can't pack the place. Having said that, the Steelers are really good despite that three-game skid. They're going to be very fired up for this. They are not nearly as uh, ravaged by COVID. They've got three guys on their list right now. Mike Tomlin said today that their latest uh, round of results came back. Uh, and it was a good morning for them. Um, anything can change, you know. Here we are on Tuesday night. Maybe the Steelers have some cases pop up. Maybe the Browns have more cases pop up, which seems more likely the way things have been going. Um, but I guess my main point is you're getting the Browns' killers back. You're getting Ben Roethlisberger back in the game for the Steelers. You're getting T.J. Watt back in the game for the Steelers. You're getting Cameron Hayward back in the game. You're losing one of your best players. And I, for my money, your best offensive lineman in Joel Batonio. So that defense that, that sacked Baker Mayfield four times on Sunday, even without Watt and without Hayward, the two best players on that D, or at least the two best players in the front seven. Um. <laughs> You just have a scheme, you have a philosophy, you have a culture, you have a way of getting after the quarterback, and I think it, I think that's what what's going to be the main difference. You know, the Browns are really down uh, the depth chart now to fill in for Joel Batonia. Normally, earlier in the season, you plug Chris Hubbard in there. He's your sixth man. He's valuable. He really stepped up well uh, for Wyatt Teller um, earlier in the season when Teller missed games with injuries. He stepped up well for Jack Conklin in week two. Uh, Conklin missed one game. 
Thursday night game against the Bengals. But, you know, a couple weeks ago against the Giants, Chris Hubbard suffers a season-ending knee injury, surgery, you know, really tough break for a really great guy and a guy who had been having a really nice season. And then who fills in for him? Rookie fifth-round pick Nick Harris, who hurts his knee against the Jets and then went on injured reserve today along with Olivier Vernon. So Olivier Vernon has been one of your better defensive players this year and really got hot in the last half of the season ended up having nine sacks in the final nine games it's finally kind of been the Olivier Vernon that we all thought he could be uh, a couple years ago when the Browns traded for him when John Dorsey was the GM has really been kind of that bookend threat that you want uh, to go with Miles Garrett ruptured Achilles is tough I mean that's going to be a difficult injury to come back from he may never play for the Browns again he's not under contract he becomes a free agent in March so you know that in a normal week that would have been huge kind of big blow bad news for the Browns it's definitely kind of lost in the shuffle with all the chaos of COVID but Steelers are in a much better place right now and they're getting some of their best guys back from rest it is an extremely extremely tough spot that that the browns are in i'm a little surprised i think the last betting line i saw was the browns getting six and a half points not that we're a big betting uh talk podcast but uh that's rough um but nate let's look at the positive side of this if we can and I know that's difficult, but, you know, if if the Browns are to win this game, what do you think their their offense is going to look like? Because there, there seems to be two distinct possibilities here. The first one is they're in a shootout with the Steelers and they somehow manage to, you know, outpoint them with a high-flying passing game, with a with a million Baker Mayfield passes probably to Austin Hooper and, and Jarvis Landry. Again, assuming they don't hopefully get put on the COVID list. Um, the other distinct possibility for the Browns offense is that it be, just becomes a, you know, 1980s Browns-Steelers grinded out on the run game slugfest with you know Nick Chubb, who I don't know, he he should be pretty should be pretty fresh again, assuming he plays. See, um, he, he didn't have a ton of carries the last two weeks. So, if the Browns are to win this, which is more viable? Do you think is it a high flying passing offense, or is it the grinded down run clock run offense? Yeah, well, first of all, I do want to say that, you know, when you're talking about you don't want to be too negative and all that. So obviously, this is horrible news, but hey, the Browns made the playoffs. Like, yes, that that's it's a big deal that they're here in this position. So, like, I don't want that to get totally lost. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, yeah, theoretically, I mean, that's, that, that's a little bit old, but we haven't really... <laughs> We haven't really right. talked about it, so I just wanted to say, you know, that's a big deal. That the longest active, uh, well, what had been the longest active playoff drought 
in the NFL was Slade Sunday. So there we go. There's your positive yeah. development. <laughs> but yes, and I, I know what we said off the top was, you know, nothing is guaranteed in the future. But theoretically, the Browns are at least on schedule and maybe at best ahead of schedule for for where the expectation should be with a new coach. And, and there's still a young quarterback. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is, playoffs. Yeah, fancy's yeah. been a, just a just a, a, a smashing success as a first year head coach, and I mean, it, it that that that's part of the reason why it's just like, oh man, you know, of all coaches, this is the guy who gets it it robbed from him when he's just been hot right out of the gates. Um, you know, that that stinks, but they're here, and that is new. I mean, that's. Today is the 18th anniversary of the last playoff game, so that's that's all you need to know. I, I do think, to answer your question, Dan, I think it's slugfest. I think it's, hey, Stefanski said the other day that he was trying to keep Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb fresh yep. for the wild card round, which is interesting because they're in a do-or-die. Like, why would you hold anything back? when if you hold it back and you don't win then it doesn't matter because you don't will not be able to use it you'll be sitting at home but that's what he said and it's interesting because you look at nick chubb having fewer snaps than kareem hunt you look at nick chubb not getting as many carries as you would think he should and the context of that is when he did get the ball in that game from the moment he got it i thought this guy more than anyone else on the field wants to carry this team into the playoffs. He was running like a man possessed. It's not the first time we've seen it from Nick Chubb, but he was locked in. And I, I just think that's the way you go because you try to go if you try to go shoot out, if you try to spread it out and you try to have Baker um, you know carry you with a, a, a huge passing game it, it goes back to that Steelers pass rush I just think you're so vulnerable against it when period you're just vulnerable against it. period the scheme itself then when you get an NFL defensive player of the year front runner and TJ Watt back and then your best defensive lineman and Cam Hayward back I mean that that's a tall order. We saw what happened October 18th. The Steelers won 38-7. That's that's the obvious. But mm-hmm. go deeper than than the box score and go back and, and, and look at what actually happened. They pummeled Baker Mayfield so so bad he didn't even finish the game. So, you know, Case Keenum was in there because Kevin so fancy he didn't want to see Baker get hit anymore. He wanted to protect him from injury. They were killing him. And, you know, that that's why I say I don't think this is the team to air it out against in an ultra-aggressive, you know, big-time frequency way because it's all about matchups, and that pass rush just gets it done. I mean, leading they, they came in leading the league in sacks, and then they, they this past weekend – uh, like I said, sacked Baker four times. And, and again, Joel Batoni is one of the best um, pass-blocking interior offensive linemen in the entire NFL. I think that hurts big time. I mean, you're going to be looking at uh, – uh, 
Man, I, I'm going to say it right now. <laughs> You're going to be looking at guys like Michael Dunn. I mean, you re- Michael Dunn might be the starter because he might be the starter in left guard because, like I said, you don't have Chris Hubbard. You don't have Nick Harris. You might be to Michael Dunn, who was on the practice squad uh, until recently. Um, you know, Kendall Lamb is on the roster, but I don't really know his status. He never went on the COVID list, but he did miss last week's practices with an illness. So that's something worth monitoring if they would be able to use Kendall Lamb at guard. He's primarily a tackle, but it's going to be one of those guys. That's a big drop-off. That is a big drop-off, and obviously Nate will have you know more information on that probably as it develops throughout the week. You know, So make sure you're, you're following along with everything he does if you're not already. But the, the thing about the grinded-out, run offense and boy i'm just picturing nick chubb as the you know the atlas statue holding up the the heavens on his shoulders and the the heavens being the entire browns organization but um i i think if there's a guy who can do it it would be him and i agree that that is the best you know chance for the browns to win by the way our our colleague steve dorshuk i believe is writing a thing on why the Browns can win too. So check that out. Um, but a grinded out offense also means that on defense, you can stop the pass and you can stop explosive plays and you can, you can stop on third down and you can, you know, not go down and, and be behind a lot. Um, and I just watched Mason Rudolph look, pretty good throwing to Chase Claypool and now he's going to have Ben Roethlisberger I know there's some criticism that Roethlisberger's arm at this point in his career isn't as strong as Chase Claypool I don't know if I buy that completely but you know how how do the Browns stop the Steelers passing offense is the best chance you know Miles Garrett is really really back now and he just goes off it can Miles Garrett carry the entire defense single-handedly. Uh, what, what's your thought on what the Browns need to do on defense if, if, if they can do anything? Well, again, it really hurts that Olivier Vernon's out, and Miles Garrett, I don't think, is, is still himself, like you alluded to earlier, after his November bout with COVID forced him to miss two games. Um, you know, obviously, it'd be great if Denzel Ward could come back and 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 it would be you know safe uh, for him to play and you know there would be no concerns uh that way and and you know he would gain full clearance um you know he's he's your second best defender so I mean that those those are going to be uh you know big time things to watch um how Miles Garrett's feeling. I don't know if we're going to know um, and, until we're out, you know, until we get to see him uh, out there Sunday night at Heinz Field, provided the game doesn't have a, a postponement or anything because of all this COVID. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they did a good job uh, against uh, James Conner on Sunday, and and he's, he's, he's kind of a sneaky 
like Brown's killer because by far his best production is against the Browns. Like it, it's it, it's kind of weird. Like he, it, they finally brought him back down to earth uh, this past weekend. So you know if, if they can do that, that that's huge. But I mean, I think it's really what you saw hurt him and why the game was as close as it was, even with Mason Rudolph in there. The deep ball just killed him. I mean, he had three passes uh, more than 40 yards, two more more than 25 yards. Um, Chase Claypool, um, obviously, is a, is a big-time deep threat, and they have Juju Smith-Schuster as well and um, Deontay Johnson. And, I mean, these guys – we're just able to, to to make plays. I felt like Robert Jackson playing in a pinch with, with Denzel Ward and Kevin Johnson out, two of the top three corners. I thought Robert Jackson really played hard and was, you know, not like burned in any crazy way for the most part. It was just he, he was there. He was like in the picture. But it just wasn't enough. Like he just was not making plays on the ball, and um, it's a tough were, matchup. There is a tough matchup, and you know, I, I guess I'm saying like I, I thought he did everything that you could ask for from an effort standpoint. But you know, this is a guy who's a special team guy coming and trying to make his first start in a playoff tight game, and yeah, it wasn't against against Roethlisberger, but that's still a a tall order and um you know terrence mitchell too gave up some of those big plays so i mean without denzel ward without kevin johnson it would really i don't know if there's anything they can really do to guard against that it it just it killed them so much and i think that's that's the key if they can if they can somehow get a turnover to like they did i mean mj stewart's interception was huge totally changed the game they score off it you know i don't know that that's going to be really tough against Ben though, to stop that deep attack that came to life for them against the Colts, you know, and that, that really is what breathed life into that offense after, you know, it had fizzled so much and the three game, you know, the three game losing streak. Yeah. The only thing I kept wondering watching the secondary without Ward in that last game was why isn't old dependable, Terrence Mitchell on Chase Claypool. He's at least, you know, closer in size than than Jackson is. And Joe Woods is obviously a lot smarter than me. That goes without saying. But um, you were much kinder to to Jackson than than I would have been. So kudos to you on your professionalism. But you know, besides another worldly Miles Garrett game. The Browns are going to need a lot of stuff to to turn their way, like you mentioned, uh, some turnovers, and that that's something I know that this team really stresses winning the turnover battle. Um, I, I think you got to throw in some blitzes here and there. I mean, you don't see a lot of that on this Browns team. Maybe they can break out a few random blitzes and hope it doesn't get them beat deep, and you know, knock knock old Ben Roethlisberger around. I can say Ben Roethlisberger is old because he's the same age as me, damn it. And, um, maybe, you know, maybe we finally see these linebackers do something. You know, Mac Wilson was in position to make some plays in this last game. He just came up short a few times, I thought. Maybe he makes those plays this week. 
maybe Sioni Takitaki, I don't know, does does something. Who knows? But I think it's going to be a tough game overall. Nate, do you have any other final thoughts, really, before we, we kind of get out of here on this game? No final thoughts other than, um, you know, I just think that it's unfortunate what's happened, but keep in mind that, you know, they did get here and, you know, I, it's, 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 it's really interesting because given the history and everything and, and ending the drought, you could, you could see a team just be really happy to, to make the playoffs. And it's kind of like, okay, we're, you know, the journey's finished. But if he, if he saw the Browns tweeted Kevin Stefanski's speech afterward, and he immediately was telling him he want, he needs more. They didn't just want to make the playoffs. They wanted to do something. They they don't want to just say, hey, yeah, we made it. That's good enough. And then I think all the guys, all the players, uh, took that and ran with it after the game. And I, I it it felt genuine and sincere. So, you know, I think that they will be determined. Uh, but you know, Mike Prefer is going to be the acting head coach. Uh, Michael Dunn's probably going to be the left guard, and it just it's going to be a different dynamic and um i i you know i thought the odds were going to be long before all this and it's it's looking even less likely but you know they play the games for a reason so <laughs> we'll be covering right. it and uh you guys will be watching it right and look uh, even if it's just in the lead up to the the kickoff of the game just enjoy where the Browns are at right now. Nate and I have never done a podcast previewing a Browns playoff game, and we've been doing this podcast longer than I can remember. Um, there's there's going to be a ton of stuff coming in the next few days that isn't COVID-related uh, that you can check out on our site, beaconjournal.com slash sports slash Browns. There's some really cool stuff coming. So look out for that. Enjoy that stuff. Enjoy the photo gallery of old Brown Steelers photos we just published. Enjoy, you know, the video package that NBC is going to have before the game. That'll probably have Bernie Kosar or or Brian Sipe or whomever in it. Enjoy that stuff. Enjoy Al Michaels calling a damn Browns playoff game, at least for a while. You know, so then then go from there. Who knows? The Browns are in the playoffs. That's cause enough for some cheering so have fun with it enjoy the week everybody stay safe don't get coughed on or cough on anybody all that kind of good stuff but that is going to do it for cover two this week thank you very much for listening we'll talk to you next time